The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 138 of the podcast. Are you joining us live here on YouTube? Today is Sunday, April the 28th, and we are fresh off of UFC Fight Night 150 from Sunrise, Florida, the Sunshine State. And routine can often be a monotonous and dreadful thing. But when the routine is sitting across the computer all the way from New Jersey, from the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff, the animal Wilson, routine is a beautiful thing. Jeff, how are you feeling on this Sunday evening, my friend? You ready to go see a movie? This is our first episode back doing this through Google since you left Florida. What's going on, kid? Fill the people in. Yeah, dude. So I'm getting ready to go see the Avengers uh, new movie that just came out on Thursday evening. And it looks cold. So I'm going to bundle up today. Well, I'm really excited. Um, it's about a three-hour long movie. I'm okay going into work a little groggy. But, Bill, I don't know when it became okay. Like, when did nerd culture come into the mainstream? Bill, nobody liked watching this shit when I was in high school except me. So it was easy to get seats. Uh, so I'm not even sitting with my friends because we couldn't get three seats together. It, it's just, it's the internet culture, man. You find out there's, there's more of you out there, you know, maybe, um, you know, people were closeted nerds in the past and because of the internet, you know, thankfully they have the courage to open up and talk about, you know, the things they like to do besides drinking and having sex and drugs and, rock and roll and like other fun stuff. I guess, I guess that's the case. You know, it's it, the internet's really given people that kind of courage, Jeff. And, um, I don't know what the Avengers are. I, I know it's superhero stuff. Um, I hate to give you a spoiler, Jeff, but the good guys win. <laughs> good. because That's not what happened in the last movie, Bill. <laughs> I don't know what happened in the last movie, but supposedly this is the last one. And I don't know anything about these movies i don't i don't think i've seen any of them maybe i maybe i have I, I know it's all like uh captain america and stuff like that but if this thing does well they're gonna make more of them obviously they're not just gonna be like well fuck this making money stuff uh, <laughs> <laughs> this movie's gonna make like a trillion dollars and they're gonna be like well i guess we gotta find a way to make a last last avengers <laughs> But in any case, Jeff, we got some real superheroes to talk about. And those are the men and women who fought near Fort Lauderdale, Florida this past weekend in front of yours truly live in the, in the audience. Jeff uh, attended a UFC event for a first time in a while. Went with my brother-in-law, drove across the state to Florida. I stopped at a rum distillery along the way, of course, and I stopped at a brewery on the way back. So, um, I got some booze to talk about. I got some fights to talk about. This is also a very Florida event. Like the crowd in Florida was so I, I've, I've been to an event in Florida before, but it was in Orlando. So Orlando is like all transplants, but like Fort Lauderdale, you got some Florida natives there. And I don't know if you saw this trend, Jeff, about the Florida man stuff where you type Florida man in your birthday and then some crazy news story pops up. Um, that's because there's some crazy fucking people living in Florida, Jeff. And a lot of them were were at this event. So it started with the guy who was checking the ticket. So I'm I'm walking to my seat. Uh, it's dark in there. You know, the show's already started. I don't want to try and find my seat. So. I was like, hey, buddy, can you help me out? And I, my ticket's on my phone. So I give him my phone, and he looks at it. And you know how, like, when you hand him a ticket, they have the little flashlight? Hmm. 
the guy takes my phone and he shines his flashlight on it. <laughs> well, you should have turned on your brightness, Bill. Then it wouldn't have been so dark. The brightness was fine, Jeff. So now he's got <laughs> he's got his flashlight reflecting off the screen. So he can't see it. And then he, he points in the opposite direction. He's like, you got to go over here. I'm like, no, I, can't, I came in the right section. I'm right here. I'm like, turn the flashlight off so you can look at the screen. And help me find my seat. I'm trying to, I'm trying to sit down before Jim Miller fights. And uh, the guy is like, he walks me over to the seats like seven and eight. And I'm like, dude, I got. I got 11 and 12 and he's like, well, this isn't 11 and 12. And I said, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I go back and I sit, I find seats 11 and 12 and we sit down and I don't know why I didn't know this when I bought the tickets, but we were in like the wheelchair row. So they had some folding chairs and I, I pulled the chair over here, over, uh, you know, to, to to the guardrail, and the guy's looking at me. He's like, "Well, I guess you could sit there." And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, "These are my seats." And then <laughs> maybe uh, one fight goes by, and he walks these two other guys over to where we were sitting, and he was like, um, "You guys uh, have to switch because uh, they sit here." And we're we're both looking at each other, and um, the the guy's like, "Well, I got seats seven and eight what do you have? And I was like 11 and 12. And he's like, yeah, I think you're in the right spot. And we're over here. And the guy's like, hold on, let me see that. He takes the other guy's phone and he shines his flashlight on it. And he's like, no, you guys are here. <laughs> and then <laughs> we both kind of looked at each other. We looked at each other's phones and then we just, we just swapped seats and sat down. <laughs> so the guy, would... <laughs> but it only escalated from there, Jeff, because he sent people to the wrong place all over. And then people started coming in, carrying like trays of food and stuff. And he's sending them down the complete wrong road. They're going up and down steps. And then like people are already sitting where he's sending them. And he just had no clue. It was, it was the most Florida experience you could have at a sporting event. And only people who have spent a lot of time in Florida will understand that statement. But, um, you know, miraculously, the production was awesome. The fights were phenomenal. Um, you know, I got to see some old school fighters that I had really wanted to see fight live. Uh, and I got the opportunity to do that. So, Jeff, I know because of ESPN+, Plus or ESPN minus, I should say, uh, you weren't able to catch a lot of this card or really any of it. So uh, tell me about the struggle, Jeff. Um, well, Bill, I couldn't catch this card live because I was at a wedding yesterday. So, you know, I had to make an appearance. It's a, a former boss, and we still get along really well. So sure, I, I had to show my face. And... Um, uh, I just made a deal with her that I wouldn't dance because I save all my footwork for the gym, Bill. Nice. So, um, I honestly don't think they could handle my dancing anyway. It's <laughs> Bill, I've, been called, I've been called a dancing machine by people in my generation. Mm. I'm just kidding, Bill. I don't dance, but Bill, um, <laughs> <laughs> I did. Jeff, you're South American. It's just, this is in your DNA. No, I'm Central American, Bill. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> but anyway, um, aside from not dancing, um, yeah, I was trying to watch these fights on my phone while people were eating and stuff. Um, and dude, the app is it's just horrible. I, I couldn't, I mean, I don't know if it was the Wi-Fi where I was, mm -hmm. but there was just a lot of loading, a lot of buffering. So I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm just going to wait until tomorrow morning and find mm -hmm. some of the fights. So I ended up catching these fights a couple of hours ago. Yeah, and you weren't the only one having trouble. I, From what I heard, I had a couple of people texting me and reaching out on Twitter and letting me know the issues with it because I've been very vocal about uh, you know, the fact that ESPN has to get this shit together. Like, the, it's, it's unacceptable that they have this huge platform with this huge budget and they can't get this thing straightened out. I, I'm pretty positive that 
they're not having these issues with the streaming of major league baseball or the NFL or anything like that. So they got to get this shit together. People were reaching out to me and saying the audio was like 20 seconds ahead. So you're watching the fights and you're hearing them talk about what's happening in the future. Uh, not a great experience for a live sporting event. So, uh, I, I feel like a broken record, but hey, ESPN, let's get your fucking shit together. If you want to charge more money, like charge me 10 bucks a month. I don't care. Um, you know, five bucks a month is great. It's a great price, but let's get this thing working. You know, don't charge any money if it's not going to work. You know, let, let people figure out another way to watch it so you figure this shit out. And then charge us whatever. Charge me $20 a month. You know, if it's, if you're guaranteeing it's going to work, especially now this is the only way to order the pay-per-views. Um, so until they straighten this out, they're going to see a big dip in the numbers, Jeff, because obviously with the last pay-per-view, you can't log into the app. You can't order the pay-per-view. Nothing works. Uh, this is a failing business model. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm no expert on business, but, uh, you know, when you're selling something that doesn't work, People aren't going to want to buy it. I mean, this is basic economics. Uh, eh, but, you know, what do I know? I don't work for the worldwide leader in sports, but maybe I should. You know, if you guys need a consultant, reach out to me. It's at MMA on the Rocks on social media. Maybe I'll respond. Maybe it'll be on a tape delay like your fucking videos. Um, so what did you catch, Jeff? So. Uh, you know, I know what what I can go over with you and what I have to fill in the blanks on here. Uh, so, Bill, I was trying to catch as much as I could. I when I got home last night, I was I got in home I got home in time for the main event, which I just ended up streaming um, by not the most legal means, but it was working better than ESPN Plus. Yeah. I caught, uh, so I watched that live this morning. I watched the co-main event, the Mike Perry fight that you told me to watch. Uh, Glover Teixeira's fight, bits mm -hmm. and pieces of Corey Sanhagen and John Lineker. Okay. Um, and what was the other one? Gilbert Burns versus Mike Davis on the prelims. Okay, so you actually saw a pretty good amount. I'm going to give you some others that you need to try and find uh, later in the week. But uh, let's start at the top, and let's start with the fights that you did catch. So the main event, middleweight contest. This was not the contest it was supposed to be. We were supposed to get Yoel Romero versus Paulo Costa. Costa pulled out, and then he's having trouble with the New York State Athletic Commission. Maybe a drug test. Maybe it's stomach medication. Who really knows? Until we have the truth, I don't really care to speak on it. Then Yoel, so then Yoel Romero gets Jacare Souza to step in, and this is a rematch of what was a very close fight, or it was going to be a rematch of what was a very close fight that I actually thought Jacare won the first fight. Then we don't get that fight because Yoel Romero pulls out. So Jack Hermanson steps up on two weeks notice, I believe, maybe three weeks after fighting not even a month ago. Uh, and, you know, he's, he steps up for a five-round fight. So you got to respect Jack Hermanson here. And he gets in there with Jacare, who, you know, has always been just a hair away from fighting for that UFC title. Former strike fit force uh, middleweight champion, um, you know, one of the greats, one of the most, you know, aggressive jujitsu fighters to ever compete in MMA. And I, I'm torn after this one, Jeff. It was, it was an outstanding fight. The energy was awesome in the arena for this one, even though it, it died down significantly, uh, due to that, the co-main event. And, uh, I don't even want to get into who was fighting on the co-main event, but I'll tell you what happened. Uh, within the arena and, and the experience there. Uh, I'm torn after this one, Jeff, because I'm excited for Jack Hermanson. You know, I think he's a really, uh, a really awesome prospect. I've been telling people about him for a long time. I don't think he's gotten the attention he's deserved until now. And now he's finally going to get it because he defeated a top contender like Jacare. And on the other hand, the reason I'm torn, Jeff, is because you know, Jacare, who I believe is 38 or 39 now, you know, those title dreams are looking smaller and smaller chance of being realized. Like he has a smaller and smaller chance of, of realizing them. Um, so I don't really know how to feel at the end of this, but I, I know as a whole, I, I felt definitely satisfied with the uh, live event 
of Fight Night 150. So give me your thoughts on this main event, Jeff. Bill, this main event was really fun to watch. It was really back and forth in terms of um, the the work on the feet. The, the, the grappling was surprisingly closer than I expected. I thought Souza would dominate the grappling, but Jack Hermanson um, going for that Armin guillotine that he knows to go for, and uh, Jakari just did such a good job of trying to get out of it and, and not tapping to that. And Hermanson displayed everything, man. He showed his ground and pound. He showed his grappling game against a top-level black belt, multiple-time world champion uh, in jiu-jitsu, and his striking was really on point, man. He was keeping his strikes tight, short, um, he wasn't getting impatient in there against Jakari because in the first couple rounds, uh, Jakari Swoza was just trying to take Hermanson's head off and, uh, Hermanson was just doing a good job of moving, keeping his strikes short and, and clean and overall just a really masterful performance from him. His cardio was what surprised me the most though. I thought mm -hmm. he was going to struggle in rounds four and five and he looked great in there. The only round I saw him losing was probably round three. Mm -hmm. um, and a, a couple, and one of the judges saw it that way too, uh, 49, 46 on one of the scorecards here. So Bill, I think Jack Hermanson really put the world on notice, man. He's the real deal. And I I've been watching him for a little bit and I wasn't too convinced about him, but I think last night's performance really seals it for me. I think that Jack, the Joker Hermanson is someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. And I had it scored the same way. I had Hermanson winning one, two, four, five. And it was really exciting when Jacare started to come back in in that third round because we already saw earlier in the night the old guy Glover Teixeira with the awesome comeback against the young guy Iwan Kutelaba. And we'll get to that fight as well. So it was kind of looking like that was gonna happen again. What I the things I liked from Jacare, his striking looked good. The problem was he was moving his head a lot, but he wasn't moving his head when he was getting punched. He was moving his head, um, you know, kind of as a distraction. And then when the punches from Hermanson came, he wasn't getting out of the way. So he was eating a lot of those shots. You know, it's great to move your head off the center line. It's hard to hit a moving target. But then his head became stationary again when Hermanson was connecting with the punches. What I really liked from Jacare was he was landing a counter left hook to the body repeatedly every time jack hermanson would come inside and, and not use his range because he did have a significant reach advantage i think it was five or five and a half inches something like that if i remember correctly when he did come inside every single time jacare was landing a counter left hook to the liver and it was really subtle and it was really hard to catch uh but i i picked up on the pattern and i i pointed it out to uh my brother-in-law who was sitting there watching the fights with and he didn't notice it at first because he was mixing it into his combinations really well and then after a while one point in the third round he almost dropped him with that liver shot uh and it was actually causing Hermanson to lower his hands in the later rounds and i thought it was going to slow him down but credit to jack Hermanson, man that guy has the the endurance of a triathlete uh because the way he was getting beat up to the body if you go back and watch Souza landed that that counter uh, hook to the body over and over and over again. He was really working it, and you know I think a lesser a less conditioned man um, wouldn't have been able to continue to stand in front of Jacare. There was even a couple of times he made Hermanson dive in for some of those takedowns. And who wants to take down Jacare? I mean, I I know he's not known for like submitting people off his back, but you know you run the risk of getting swept, and then that's the last guy you want on top of you. Just world-class jiu-jitsu. I mean, old-school uh, black belt jiu-jitsu where it's a lot of top pressure and a lot of, you know, you know, basic submissions, kimuras and, and chokes and stuff like that. But he's really nasty with him, and you don't want to risk that. But Hermanson, not afraid to go to the ground with Jacare and, you know, really showing a lot of heart in this fight because he, he got beat up. He took some damage. You know, he he risked that, that comeback from Jacare, who we know can – uh, you know, stop anybody, even if he's getting beat up for an entire fight. We saw that in his fight with Chris Weidman. You know, he was losing 90% of the fight and then comes out of nowhere with a huge knockout. So overall, a fantastic main event. Um, 
it was a little bit of booing when Jacare was holding her Manson in the guard and her Manson's just kind of peppering him with shots and they were both staying busy. The crowd was booing a lot. And, uh, my, my brother-in-law was asking me, he's like, why do you think these people boo? And I told him, I was like, I know exactly why they're booing because 90% of the people in this arena have never trained a day in their life. So they don't know what's going on in these positions and how technical it is and how difficult it is to escape a position like this when you have an elite athlete holding you down and punching you in the face or how difficult it is to advance a position when you have a world-class grappler holding you in his guard. Uh, so overall great main event. Um, you know, I, I thought it was, I thought it was really cool that Hermans had stepped up on short notice and was able to go to war for five rounds, uh, and, and take the punishment he did and keep coming forward. So, uh, he really, he proved a lot to me. I, I can't imagine what he would look like five round fight after a full training camp. Any other thoughts on this uh, main event here, Jeff? Yeah, dude. I just wanted to point out that, um, that good, uh, um, good eye on the body shots. I noticed a couple of them too. Um, and I just forgotten, but yeah, dude, Souza was really working her Manson over. Mm -hmm. And like you said, man, I think, um, I think anybody else probably crumbles under that pressure that uh, Souza was putting to the body. He was landing a lot of hard shots to uh, the diaphragm and the rib cage there. So, dude, credit to Jack Hermanson. Um, like I said, I was really unsure of how he would do in those uh, championship rounds, but he proved that he's got the grit, man. He's mm -hmm. got heart. He's got skill to match it. I mean, just overall, really exciting fighter to watch. Yeah. The only thing I would have liked to see from him is a call out at the end of the fight. Mm. You know, you just beat a top contender and you said, ah, maybe I want to fight, uh, and in, um, Copenhagen in, in October or whenever that card it is going to be. And, and give me, give me anybody like, no, you just beat, you know, the number three or four guy you, you need to call out Yoel Romero, call out Robert Whitaker, call out Israel Adesanya. You got to cut that promo right there because you're not a well-known guy. Uh, this is a card that a lot of people probably gave up trying to watch because of the issues with the app. You gotta, you know, make your voice heard. So it ends up in that highlight reel. Um, so that, that was the only thing that I, I would have liked to see from Hermanson, but I'm really excited to see him get back in there as for the, uh, the co-main event, which was not very eventful, Jeff, I don't even want to get into, uh, who was fighting on this one, but I, I will tell you what happened within the arena. So. After the Mike Perry and Cowboy Oliveira fight, which was phenomenal, well-deserving fight of the night, that fight was insane from the walkouts to the ending interview. And the whole place was just on fire after this fight. And then it just kind of died down. When the next fighter started to walk out, you saw everybody get up from their seats, go to the bathroom, go get a beer. Um, you saw... You saw a can topple over for a guy who doesn't deserve to be in the position that he's in. And and that's not his fault. You, you know, I know he's there because people are trying to pay the bills and, and make money and, and get him on ESPN and everything like that. And, you know, you heard a lot of booze. And I don't know what the broadcast was like because I didn't see it. But I know I did see film crews filming B-roll. So B-roll would be you know, just candid footage of the crowd and stuff going crazy. And my, my feeling is that they were using that footage to edit into, um, or edit around, you know, footage of the main event to not show that the arena had kind of emptied out. Cause there were a lot of empty seats during this co-main event. And I don't even want to get too, too, too into it because, um, I, I just don't think certain people are deserving of the credit here, but, uh, that th those were the vibes in the arena and it was, it was eerie and it was kind of cool to see that, that everybody was kind of on the same page, uh, about this. And, you know, there were a lot of complaints from hardcore fans about the, the placement on the card. I mean, you had, you have some UFC veterans on here. I mean, you had Andre Arlovsky on the prelims, you had Jim Miller on the early prelims. You know, you had Glover Teixeira, you had Mike Perry and Cowboy Oliveira who set the arena on fire, easily could have been the co-main event. And, uh, you know, the UFC got it wrong here. And uh, that's all I'll say about it. But let's get into the, um, let's get into the Mike Perry, Cowboy Oliveira fight, Jeff, because I want to set the scene for you. So Mike Perry comes out 
I forget what it was, some rap song, and he came out with so much energy, and he's singing along, and he's high-fiving the crowd, and he gets into the cage. And then Cowboy Oliveira comes out to some uh, – maybe you know the song, Jeff. I'm not too big on the contemporary music, but it was some song in Portuguese, and it had like a great rhythm and a great beat, and he comes out. And then I noticed Mike Perry starts dancing inside – <laughs> inside the octagon and he was just like really busting moves hard so i started recording it and uh, i posted on twitter for those of you who weren't able to see this on the broadcast because i don't know if they were showing him because usually when one fighter is walking out they're not showing the guy that's in the cage but perry was going full-blown dance off and then once cowboy Oliveira got to the check-in square where the referee checks him and he says goodbye to his coaches and everything like that then he started dancing. So then the two of them were going back and forth. They had like a fucking dance off before the fight was going and the crowd was going crazy. This was when everybody was in their seats or out of their seats. And, and, you know, they were clapping along and you could just tell there was an awesome energy between these two. You could tell there was a lot of respect before the fight started. And then the fight happened. And that was the real fireworks because these two went to fucking war. They went nonstop for 15 minutes. It was, it was awesome action. Uh, beginning to end, and a very deserving unanimous decision victory for Mike Perry. So, uh, Jeff, fill me in on what happened um, on the broadcast side before the fight, and then what were your thoughts on the fight itself? Yeah, so it was just um, Oliveira's walkout. Um, the only time I saw Mike Perry dancing was actually the video you posted, Bill. Um, but Perry was getting down, dude. Um, I dig it. <clears throat> so, like you said, a lot of respect between these two guys. And, man, Perry had been talking about how he would had a tough weight cut, but um, he looked great in there, man. Mm -hmm. He he changed up his strategy a little bit. He was moving his head a lot, especially in that third round. You could see a lot of head movement. Um, he wasn't trying to get into a brawl with Oliveira, which, you know, that's kind of what he was known for when he first stepped into the UFC. Sure. And um, they were grappling with each other a little bit, man. In that first round, Perry had some very good positions on him, on Oliveira, and was getting out of half guard, transitioning really well, had Oliveira pinned up against the cage. Um, so I think we saw a lot of um, dimensions to Mike Perry last night. Mm -hmm. um, he picked up Oliveira and slammed him at one point. Um, dude, this overall was just a really good fight. At one point, Oliveira picked up Perry and tried to slam him. So yeah. just overall, it was so back and forth. Um, I don't think either guy loses any stock. I think, if anything, both of their stocks rise, man. Alex Oliveira is always an exciting fighter to watch. And Mike Perry is no slouch either. So it's cool to see Mike Perry gain some wins together. And I really liked his call-out, man. He's ready for someone in that top spot. Uh, called out, what's his face? Um, Darren Darren Hill. Hill. So... Really, is, I'd love to see them get it on, Bill. What do you think? Do you think Darren Till's next for Mike Perry? Yeah, I mean, Till's on a two-fight winning streak. Perry has now won two of his last five or something like that. Um, but he's a draw. It's undeniable. I mean, like I said, he set the arena on fire last night. Granted, it's it's near his home, his hometown. You know, he grew up in Florida. He's from Michigan, but uh, he's as Florida as it gets. You know, if you looked up Florida, man, you'd see a lot of Mike Perry's in your newsfeed. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it was interesting. It was very, we saw a great strategy from Mike Perry. Like you said, great head movement, which was awesome. He wasn't just going in there throwing bombs. He had some great short elbows that really rocked Cowboy up against the cage. And that one slam that I think was in the second round, he basically threw, he was in on like a single and he threw Cowboy up like towards the ceiling. And then he stumbled backwards and <laughs> fell back. He just kind of like tried to chuck him up into the air. Like he, it was like, you know, like when you're a kid and you try to give somebody a boost over a chain link fence and they like, <laughs> like you hold your fingers together and they come and jump on your fingers and you try and throw them over the fence and it never works. That's kind of what it looked like when Mike Perry was trying to do that. I don't know what, what the takedown was. It was like a high crotch into just like a, a launch pad where he tried to throw him, throw him through the roof of the arena and then he fell backwards. Um, 
it was just man start to finish it was a really entertaining fight but here's the thing about it is i heard some uh, analysts that i respect greatly talk about this fight uh, breaking it down and say like uh, Mike Perry is really going to have to worry about the takedown from Cowboy from Oliveira and I really think people were confusing him with Charles Oliveira uh, who is uh, you know fought at featherweight and lightweight and was definitely not fighting Mike Perry last night so just to make this clear Alex Cowboy Oliveira is a Muay Thai striker a very technical striker he does not like to play around on the ground I mean we saw him Going for a couple of takedowns on Perry, I think that was just to to kind of slow him down because he didn't like the power he was feeling on him. But uh, I don't I don't know if you guys heard the episode that I did uh, leading up to this. I wasn't able to do it until Friday, so I understand if you guys didn't have the opportunity to listen to it before this fight happened. But what I was saying was I would be more concerned if I were a Cowboy about the takedown from Mike Perry, uh, and that's what we saw. We saw Mike Perry making Cowboy carry his weight a lot. Uh, you know, hold him up against the cage. It was great strategy, great game plan. He really sucked the life out of him. And that's why he was able to rock him a couple of times. Um, but yeah, Alex Oliveira has some grappling, but he's not, uh, you know, you guys are stereotyping out there just because he's Brazilian doesn't mean, you know, he wants his fight to go to the ground. That's racist guys. Stop that shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in any case, I, I was disappointed is to hear from some analysts that I, that I actually really respect um, talking like that. I, I guess they were confusing with Charles Oliveira. I don't know. But they're like, obviously, we know Cowboy's game plan. He's going to want to take him down. And um, I was like, man, what are you guys smoking? Let's follow along here. Uh, so that was Mike Perry and Alex Oliveira, fight of the night. By far, if you guys missed that one because you're trying to watch it on ESPN Plus, which means you definitely missed that one, uh, go back and try and watch it uh, by some other means. Uh, I wish I could help you guys out, uh, find a link or something. Jeff, did that link work that I sent you earlier? Yeah, I've, I've right. used that site before. I'm not crazy about it, but it gets the job done. All right, well, I'll try and find some other ones, and I'll I'll share them out on social media so you guys get a chance to see these fights uh, if you missed this card. Because I get it. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the weekend. Um, you know, some of you have told me directly, you listen to this show so you don't have to watch the fights or, or you know, to go back and see which ones you want to check out. Definitely check that one out. It was a great fight. Another great fight, the one right before that, light heavyweights, Glover Teixeira, who's pushing 40 years old, in there with the 25-year-old monster, Iwan Kutilaba. And uh, this fight was not looking good for Glover, man. Uh, you know, he was taking a whooping in that first round. And, um, you know, he was he was rolling with punches and he was doing the right things. He was shelling up when he had to. But, man, he was taking some big shots from Kutalaba, who's a strong bull of a motherfucker. Um, you, you know, one of the most devastating strikers uh in that division right now and uh, just a young hungry lion he he was trying to intimidate glover before the fight you know slashing his throat and doing all of this and being mean and nasty but at the end of the day it was old-fashioned brazilian jiu-jitsu uh and i've said time after time that glover Teixeira is a legitimate brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt although you know he prefers to stand at box but um you know when you're getting punched in the face by a guy like Ion Kutilaba um you don't you don't mind uh taking it to the ground and and you know going to plan B and that's exactly what he did choked him out um he got a quick tap uh once he sunk it in it, that that was it and this arena erupted Jeff it was you know the the Mike Perry Cowboy fight there was a lot of energy there but Nothing was like that moment when Glover Teixeira finished that choke. Everybody was out of their seat. You know, even people who were rooting for Kuzilaba, you know, everybody jumped up and was screaming uh, for Glover Teixeira. You got to feel happy for a guy like that. He was just like a good dude. He's a grinder. He's been at this forever. It took him all, he took the long road into the UFC. He was doing big things before that. And, you know, he got here and, he stumbled a couple of times, but he always got back up and, you know, just a real trooper, man. So uh, give me your thoughts on this one, Jeff. 
Yeah, Bill, this is going to be the last fight I comment on before I got to get going here. But um, I'm glad it because, dude, this fight was ridiculous, man. Kutalab mm -hmm. went in there angry. He went in there looking to make a name off of Glover Teixeira here and just throwing really big shots. Everything he was throwing had a lot of power behind it. Looking for the finish early. And Glover Teixeira, it looked like he got hurt in there a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, it looked like his knees were made out of rubber at one point in this fight in that first round, man. But in the second round, he just dug deep. Um, Kutalaba was tired. And Glover Teixeira, um, Kutalaba was doing a really good job of stuffing the takedowns in that first round. And then he just gassed himself out a little bit too much. Bill, yeah. I've, I've talked about this before. I call it the Shane Carwin dilemma. <laughs> um, where um if anybody if any older fans remember when shane carwin fought brock lesnar he gassed himself out in the first round trying to finish him and same deal here man kutalaba was just exhausted and once glover Teixeira took it to the ground it was game over for kutalaba um Teixeira is not somebody you want on top of you uh, just like uh with jacari swoza and as soon as Teixeira saw that opening as soon as kutalaba started turning and giving Teixeira's back it was game over from there. So mm -hmm. really, really excited for this one. I've been following Glover Teixeira for a long time. And like you said, Bill, he's a journeyman. He's had to grind his way up to where he is. And it's good to see that even pushing forward 40, he's still, you know, still taking out these young bucks, Bill. Yeah, that's right. And he, he called out he wants a rematch with Corey Anderson. Uh, you know, he said he wasn't prepared for that. He was preparing to fight Alir Latifi, and it was last minute. Uh, but he also said no excuses. He just wants the rematch. So I, I like that fight. Uh, I think it's a good call out too. Uh, so great performance by Glover Teixeira. Uh, Jeff, you got anything else you want to get off your chest before, uh, you take off and, and go watch some superheroes save the universe or whatever it is they're saving. Um, just one last thing, dude. Um, this one card, uh, this one fight on the prelim card here, Gilbert Burns versus Mike Davis. Um, go watch it because Gilbert Burns is just tearing up this division, man. He dropped down from welterweight, I believe, and I think he's looked back since, man. Um, really was giving Mike Davis a lot of trouble. Mike Davis is a, I believe he was a high-level wrestler in college. Um, the stand-up, Mike Davis is looking a little, you know, pretty even. But as soon as it went to the brown, to the ground, Gilbert Burns uh, took over from there. So then we go back and watch that one if you haven't seen it already. So, Bill, I hate to do this to you, but I got to run. So, um, Bill, thanks for letting me know about which fights to go back and watch this morning. Um, so, everybody at home, I apologize. I have to run out on you guys like this. but. If you need to reach me and scold me and be mad at me, you can do it at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and soon Instagram. I just want to watch this movie because people keep spoiling it on Instagram. So after uh, this movie, I can make an Instagram for you, Bill. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's so you'll have nothing to worry about after this one's done. All right, Jeff, I'll take it from here. Uh, we'll, we'll see you next week for sure. We'll get you back on. We'll do a full episode. So go enjoy that movie. I'll expect a full breakdown next week, or maybe I'll let you talk about it for 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill. Sounds good. Peace. All right, guys, you're stuck with me for the rest of the episode. I'm going to go through the rest of this card here, uh, which we had some really solid fights. I'll keep going down the list here. We had Corey Sanhagen and John Lineker. This was a split decision in favor of Corey Sanhagen. Now, Sanding was probably a little bit busier, but man, Lineker landed the bigger shots. He did a lot more damage. Uh, I think myself and the entire arena thought that Lineker was going to easily walk away with this decision. Uh, he even had Corey Sanhagen locked up in a tight guillotine with 15 seconds left. He wasn't able to finish it. Now he made a common mistake with the guillotine. He stretched himself all the way out. And you guys have heard me talk about this a couple of times. You know, the proper way to finish a guillotine is to actually crunch down and put pressure down with your chin and your upper body and then pull in with your arms. Uh, you know, when you stretch your back out, like the way Lineker was doing, you're actually taking pressure off of the neck, which is why Corey Sanhagen was able to uh, withstand that one. You know, not to say that he wouldn't be able to withstand it if the proper pressure had been applied. Uh, you know, Corey Sanhagen's a tough motherfucker, but, uh, you know, just 
not proper technique, but before that he had rocked him, put him down and easily won that third round. Um, this was a tough one, man. I mean, Corey Sanhagen wasn't even able to do his post-fight interview. Uh, I couldn't hear a word he said in the arena because everybody was booing so loudly and you feel bad for him because it's not his fault if the judge is fucked up. You know, he's just trying to, you know, he's just trying to do his job and, and call somebody out or whatever it was that he said. You know, maybe you guys heard it. Uh, I haven't been able to go back and watch these fights yet either because I just got back uh, from driving from Fort Lauderdale uh, right before we started recording this episode. So, uh, yeah, I mean, good for Corey Sanhagen coming away with a win over John Lineker. That's a big deal for him. You know, Lineker was up there. Nobody really wants to fight him because he hit so fucking hard. And Sanhagen was in there. He took some big shots from him. He got rocked a couple of times. But, you know, maybe he had a little bit more volume. And that's what uh, got him the nod from the judges. Then we had Roosevelt Roberts looking good against Thomas Gifford. These were both Tuesday Night Contender Series alumni, I believe. And it was an interesting fight because Thomas Gifford has uh, an unorthodox guard and unorthodox stand-up, and he's been able to catch people a lot in his career. Roberts was just super patient. Uh, he, he had great timing with his takedowns, and then he did a great job of staying calm on top of Gifford. Uh, you know, he throws some funny things up. He goes for inverted triangles, and he's got, he's got these long legs at lightweight and uh, you know he tries to use them to create um very unusual leverage and nothing rattled roberts you know he stuck to the game plan he was able to drop gifford with some big shots as well so he looks good on the feet the only thing that disappointed me is he called out my boy steamroller frivola uh not a great move by the predator uh you know you got to be careful what you wish for here you know he looked great against gifford but uh, you know, he's looking to step in there uh, against a completely different kind of animal with the steamroller. So, uh, you know, best of luck to Roberts. It's a great win for him. And I, I do like when people make the call outs and they call up, uh, which is what he did. And uh, we'll see if that happens. I know steamroller heard the call out and he's not one to back down from a challenge. So we'll see if the UFC puts that together. Takashi Sato getting a win over the veteran Ben Saunders in what I believe was Sato's UFC debut Japanese fighter. Uh, he's been training in the States for a long time in Florida, actually. And yeah, he's been fighting in Pancrase, been fighting all over the world. Um, interesting guy, a lot, a lot of big knockouts, uh, you know, very stoic, very straightforward style, uh, against a guy in Ben Saunders who is very awkward. You know, especially at this weight, he's really tall. He's really lanky, uh, throws a lot of unorthodox stuff. He's able to stab in knees from really far away, and he, he knocked the wind out of Sato with a bunch of these. Um, but Sato was able to put him down with a big shot, and then he got on top of him. He's dropping these elbows, and it kind of looked like Ben Saunders was covering up, and Larry, Do Larry Downs stopped the fight. And my initial reaction was that it was an early stoppage. And then Ben Saunders tried to get up and he just fell into the cage. And I was like, wow, that might've been a late stoppage. Um, so yeah, Sato, man, he's a beast. Uh, you know, he was able to put away uh, a veteran like Ben Saunders, uh, who I, I believe does not get knocked out very often. Let me pull up his record here. Uh, well, I killed time. Uh, he's been knocked out eight times, uh, including in his last fight against Lyman Good. All right, so I stay corrected. That's why we have the internet, folks. But yeah, six foot three and 170 pounds. So Sato able to deal with that. It took him a little while. You know, it took him a while to get in his rhythm and, and kind of figure out Saunders' range. But in that second round, he was able to do it and uh, put him away. All right, then we had uh, heavyweights. Another really questionable decision here. Uh, in my opinion, Augusto Sakai getting the split decision victory over Andre Arlovsky. And I just did not see this one going that way. Um, you know, was it the worst robbery I've ever seen? No. Um, was I drinking some beers and not paying full attention? Yes. So, you know, maybe don't take my word on this one. Um, am I biased towards Andre Arlovsky because I've been watching him fight since the 90s? Yes. Uh, so, again, 
maybe I don't know what I'm looking at. You know, I, I try not to let those biases influence me when I'm, when I'm looking at a fight, I try to always be objective, you know, even if I know the fighters and even if I have some kind of emotional investment, I always like to, you know, give you guys a straight shot here and, and tell you and call it straight down the middle, no matter what. But I really thought Arlovsky had won this one. I thought he was way more aggressive. I thought he landed the better shots. Um, I thought he looked crisper, you know, not, he didn't look bad for 40 years old, but man, I think this is, I think he's lost like, uh, a lot of fights out of his last 10. I think he, out of his last 10 fights, I think he's only won two, something like that. Um, so man, a, a win would have been nice for Arlovsky here. I, I don't know how many he has left, but, uh, Arlovsky's a guy. I'm glad I got to see him compete live. Uh, again, I thought he looked good for 40 years old. Um, uh, against, you know, a younger heavyweight granted, who's not in the best of shape. You know, uh, he put on a good performance. Um, I've always been a fan of Arlovsky. I mean, the guy, his whole career, he would fight anybody and, um, you know, he would come back from knockouts and he would come back from, you know, really shitty fights and he would just get back in there and, and just keep at it. And, it, um, you know, he's a, he's a real fighter, man. Uh, he's, he's part of a dying breed. Um, so it, it, even if you're not a fan of Arlovsky, you got to respect that about him. Uh, we had an interesting, uh, grappling match between, uh, Carla Esparza, the former strawweight champion and newcomer, uh, Verna Jandiroba, who was undefeated going into this fight and Esparza used her wrestling and she was able to stay away from those black belt submissions on the bottom of Jandiroba, who basically has submitted pretty much everybody else she's fought. Um, this was a close fight. You know, there, there were a lot of really close grappling exchanges that were extremely technical, but Carla Esparza able to edge this one out and you know, she did a good job. She looked good. Uh, you know, they bring in an undefeated fighter who's like whipping everybody's ass in Invicta. Uh, they're probably looking to build Jandaroba up and as far as spoil the party. So good for her. She looked good doing it. Uh, Jeff already mentioned Gilbert Burns, uh, putting that old school Brazilian jiu-jitsu on Mike Davis. Um, so he, he looked great for sure. Uh, and he wants to get back in there. He's excited. He thinks, you know, he's worked out some, worked out some personal issues he was going through or, or, or something. I, I forget what the story was. It, it seems like a long time ago, this fight took place, but, uh, Gilbert Burns looked nasty in there. I mean, he was on Mike Davis's back and Davis was able to defend really well for a long time, but man, you can't, he wasn't doing anything to get his back on the mat. Um, you know, he's kind of letting Burns just kind of work on his back and, you know, it, it's just a matter of time. Uh, when you let a, a black belt like Gilbert Burns, who was, uh, I think, four-time Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion. Uh, so, you know, you let that guy stay on your back long enough, uh, bad things are going to happen. Same thing if you let Jim Miller on your back. So Jim Miller on the early prelims, and I was so glad I was able to get into the arena to catch his fight um, because Jim Miller's another guy who I have a lot of respect for. Um, you know, I wouldn't use the word fan, but man, this guy is just a grinder. He's a real fighter. He would get in there with anybody. He's been around forever. I think he's up there on the most UFC fights of all time. Uh, he's up there on the wisdom list of most wins, uh, most finishes, all this stuff, just because he's a fucking warrior, man. Uh, you got to respect Jim Miller. And, and after all he's done in the UFC, he still gets in there and hit, they say, uh, you know, we need you to fight this young kid on the early prelims. And he's like, you know, time and place. Let me know. I'll come. And then, uh, he chokes the guy out in the first round and he got himself a bonus in the process, I believe. So, um, great job, Jim Miller. Uh, you know, that, that was an exciting one too. There, there weren't a lot of people in the arena yet, but, I think people were really happy. It really kind of set the tone for the rest of the card. Angela Hill uh, getting the unanimous decision over, over uh, Jody Esquivel, who just you know couldn't close the distance. It was the story of that fight. Angela Hill was able to to keep her at bay, and um, you know she looked good there. That was a close fight, and then uh, same thing with Diego Lima getting a split decision victory over Court McGee. Uh, I, I wasn't able to catch that one, but I saw some highlights. looked like a, looked like a really close fight. So 
man, a lot of crazy shit happened on this car. Uh, and then, uh, pretty cool story. I was sitting there, uh, sometime around the co-main event and I, I see this, this, uh, lumbering, uh, bald looking figure <laughs> walking towards me and it was, uh, Alexi Olenek. Uh, so, you know, I, I grabbed him and asked him for a picture and he's like deceivingly large. You know, this guy has fought, uh, as low as middleweight and, I was able to like put my arm around him and I was like, yeah, he doesn't seem like he's that big. And then I looked at the picture and I saw his fist is the size of my fucking head. And I was like, man, this guy could probably strangle me with one hand, like close his fist around my neck. And I don't have a small neck folks. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who know me personally, um, I'm not a small neck guy, but Olenek is a, is a big handed motherfucker. Big old head. Nice guy too. Um, so I, I was glad I got to meet him and, uh, for, from coming off uh, a knockout loss just a week ago in, in Russia, he looked pretty damn good. Uh, you know, he, uh, he had a nice, uh, nice sparkly white shirt on, but I guess when you're a bad motherfucker like that, you can wear whatever you want. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you guys about the, uh, the actual trip to Fort Lauderdale. So. Driving across the state of Florida, for those of you who don't know, if you're not a regular listener, I live in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, I live just outside of Tampa, actually, a town called Safety Harbor. And driving across the state of Florida is uh, an experience. It's like uh, it's like the movie The Shining. You know, it, it's it, you're you're tested by your own imagination because there's just nothing going on um the drive from here to fort lauderdale you got to drive a highway they call alligator alley which you know you can pull over and uh, there's there's like canals and stuff and you can you can get out and there's viewing areas you go see some alligators and stuff like that um and then there's another more scenic route that, that takes a little bit longer where you'll see alligators like on the side of the road and stuff like that so i, I took the highway the um the new alligator alley, they call it. There's the old and the new. And uh, yeah, not a whole lot going on on this drive. It's just a lot of marshland. Like sometimes you'll see some cows, and then you know every thirty miles or so, there's an exit with some some fast food and a gas station, maybe. Um, but one thing I did find uh, in between here and Fort Lauderdale. Um, Actually, you guys know me. I'll, I'll always, I'll always sniff out booze if they're nearby. So I'm on the alligator alley highway and right off it on the way to Fort Lauderdale is a town called Punta Gorda, not to be confused with Punta Gorda. Uh, for those of you who speak Spanish, uh, you, you may, you may get that one. Uh, so <laughs> don't, uh, <laughs> don't, don't confuse those and definitely don't ever say that to anybody you like uh, because they will not take it kindly. So Punta Gorda, which means fat point, I believe, like I said, like I told you guys um, on the Friday episode, my Spanish is, is very rusty, but fat point, I believe Punta Gorda. So I uh, found a rum distillery. It's called Alligator Bay. All right. So uh, mom and pop, style rum distillery actually i believe it's a mother and her two sons who started it um i i got there around 3 p.m on friday so they were like in the middle of their their last tour so i caught the tail end of the tour uh, which you know luckily was just in time for the tasting and they have some solid rums there uh you know they do it um everything by hand so it's all like organic ingredients a lot of rums, you know, your mainstream spiced rums and stuff, they have a lot of additives and preservatives and uh, corn syrup and a lot of garbage in them uh, that, that make them taste good and make them taste really sweet. And um, it, that's why they're able to mass produce them and, and sell them for so cheap. Uh, but these these guys, Alligator Bay, for those of you watching on YouTube, I'm, I'm holding up the bottle here of the uh, the dark chocolate-flavored rum which I thought it was just dark rum. I didn't realize it was chocolate. And I'm, I'm sitting here drinking it before before I get Jeff on the phone. 
And I'm like, wow, I'm really getting a lot of chocolate notes on here. Thinking I have such a sophisticated palate, which I definitely don't. I know uh, sometimes I may sound like I do, but um, I, I just like booze, guys. Uh, if I like it, I tell you about it. If I don't, I, I tend not to mention it, except for that um, UFC edition rum. Um, I had to tell you that that was disgusting, but I didn't want you guys to think I wouldn't try it because it's UFC edition. And, you know, this is a UFC MMA podcast after all. So I had to try that one. So yeah, chocolate flavored dark rum. It's actually really nice. Nice sipping rum. It's got a, a spice up front, like a uh, clove and a little bit peppery. They had some other good ones too. They had a a, their spiced rum it tasted like a lot of a lot of orange up front it almost tasted like a cocktail and, and we were just sipping them neat out of you know the little plastic shot glasses they give you for tastings and stuff uh you know they won some awards it's it's a small operation there you know like i said i think it's a mother and and her two sons and they do everything there they do the the distilling the the bottling the labeling the aging you know, they had the barrels in there with in the humidity controlled rooms and stuff. And it's just, you know, a small warehouse on the side of the road. They got a dog running around the place. So if you ever have to make the miserable drive <laughs> from uh, the West coast of Florida to the East coast of Florida, uh, it definitely a cool spot to check out. And then uh, I went into the town of Punta Gorda and had lunch before I continued on to Fort Lauderdale. So that was a cool stop. And then on the way back, I stopped a little bit closer to home. So it's about, you know, three and a half, four hour drive total if there's no traffic. So I stopped about an hour short of home in Sarasota, Florida, you know, big uh, spring break locale down there. And there's a brewery I've talked to you guys about before called Cayusa. And I had been there before now i'm getting the, i'm getting the name of this brewery wrong um and i'm gonna look it up because i don't want to get the name wrong again uh let's see sarasota brewery and um Let's see. Calusa, C-A-L-U-S-A in Sarasota, Florida. I didn't want to get that one wrong. So uh, the last time I drove back from uh, somewhere I was visiting in, in more South Florida, I stopped at a restaurant and I had this beer that they were pushing. It was called Focus IPA. And it was so delicious. I had to find out where it was from. And it was from a brewery not too far away. So I went to the brewery, picked up a growl, uh, growler on my way back. And that was Calusa. So driving back from Fort Lauderdale, I made it a point to stop there again. I tried some of their other beers. Uh, also excellent. And, um, you know, filled up a growler to bring home with me. So stopped there about an hour shy of home. Had a beer. Got back in the car. Uh, finished the drive. Uh, and now here I am with you folks. So it, it was an interesting weekend for sure. Uh, I got to see some family out on the other side and you know we had a good time it was very chill very laid back uh i got to see you know the other side of florida and i got to see some great fights live it's been a while i mean you got those of you guys who are re regular listeners know you know i got the baby in my life now uh i don't get it out as much as i used to spend a, a lot of time just watching the fights here at home you know, invite people over. We watch them in the backyard. We have a good time. Um, uh, but you know, it's not like the old days where I could just go whenever I want and see fights. I mean, I've gone to Montreal. I've gone to Japan. I've seen fights at the, the Saitama super arena. Uh, those of you guys who are longtime listeners of the show, you've heard all these stories. So if you haven't go back and listen to some old episodes, you know, not everything is time sensitive. I try to be good about the uh, episode descriptions. Go back and check out some old stuff and let me know what you think of it. Let me know what you think of this episode. Let me know, you know, what you think we should do differently or you know, any, any feedback or suggestions are always welcome uh, as well as reviews. You know, the reviews really do help guys. It helps other people find the show and uh, you know, we can keep building this community of, 
of booze and, and violence. So let me know what you guys are thinking and drinking out there. Uh, I'm always curious about that. I appreciate everybody who reaches out on social media and lets me know, you know, what you're sipping on during the fights. You know, I got some of you drinking uh, natty ice out there watching these fights. I, I, I like hearing, you know, what you guys choose to drink during the fights. If you choose to drink, you know, a lot of you, a lot of you reach out and tell me you like drinking water and that's fine. You know, if, if alcohol is not your thing, uh, you know, you're still a welcome member of the MMA on the rocks community. In any case, folks, I just got done driving four hours. I got some rum here with my name on it. I got a growler of beer in the fridge. Maybe I'll tackle them both. Maybe a, neither of them. Maybe I'll just watch a movie and go to bed. It's been a long weekend, folks. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.